Euro 2020 on the Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a free risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use the promo code SGP for your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com and the promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at underdogfantasy.com with the promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in Best Ball Mania 2 for a chance to win $1 million. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app in the App Store or the Google Play Store today. You are listening to the second half of your round of 16 preview here for Euro 2020 on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. You can also follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. That's at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. Also check out my website, lockbetting.com, where I am guiding my clients to their 97th month in a row of Transparent Track Profit. That's over eight years of profit without a losing month. You can be part of the 98th month by signing up on July the 1st. That will give you action on the Euro 2020 quarterfinals, any other futures that we put out, and of course, Wimbledon is beginning, and of course, the NBA finals and MLB. We had our first loss in the MLB for one unit plays, and it involved the um, Toronto Blue Jays being 5-1 up going into the eighth inning and then capitulating and messing up the run line for us. So we lost it in a dramatic way. Sick, sick loss, sickening loss, real bad beat, but it is over. We are now 6-1 and one for the season for MLB one unit plays, but we look to get back on track with that. As I said, we have Wimbledon coming up. We have the end of the NBA season and, of course, Euro 2020. And during July, it is a month not to miss because that is when we will begin to drop our futures for the next domestic soccer season for the Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A and the EPL and others. So make sure you are signed up for the month of July as we look for our 98th month in a row of Transparent Track Profit and Futures Month is the biggest because we hit over 80% with our futures and we've had a solid start to Euro 2020. However, we did not have a solid day yesterday. Our future on the Dutch to reach the semi-finals was ended by the Czech Republic in a major upset. Also, one of our potential Group F winners were eliminated when Belgium beat Portugal in a game that was dominated by Portugal. The only silver lining of that is that Romelu Lukaku continues on in his hunt for the golden boot. An 8-1 to tip here on the show. And if uh, Belgium can win another couple of games and get to the final, he should cash that bet. But obviously, we don't want him getting to the final because we are more heavily invested in France because they are a Group F team. We also have a pending future on France to reach the semi-finals. And there's a lot of discussion about France at the moment 
and we will get to it in terms of a little bit of in squabble in 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 camp squabbling disagreements with the manager about the formation and we will talk about that but first of all we have to begin with Spain who are taking on Croatia in the first quarterfinal that takes place today now we um, have to let you know you mainly get a few hours or maybe even a few minutes depending when you're listening to get this on because the podcast is being released here on Monday the same day as two of these quarterfinals and the Spain one is early taking place at 5pm UK time 12pm east Spain have moved to significant favourites for this tie, not just off the back of winning 5-0 in their last encounter, but obviously the news has got around that uh, Ivan Perisic, a key player for Croatia, will be missing. Spain are now available here at 13-20 to to win this game on the money line. It's 11-4 to draw and it's 21-4 on Croatia. The winner of the tie market sees Spain as a 3 to 10 favorite with Croatia at 12 to 5. If you're listening to my preview podcast, we had Spain to reach the quarterfinals as a future from our Group E show. So, you guys should be riding that so there should be limited action here on this game. If you don't have that, then I would be looking here to take Spain on the money line here. It's very difficult for me to make a case for Croatia other than them possibly sitting in and making this very frustrating for Spain, as teams have done so far. We've seen Spain with 84% of the ball in their first game and being uh, unable to penetrate against the Swedes. Croatia will be hoping for some more of that. But I think after clicking in that 5-0 win against Slovakia, Spain should be able to actually cruise past this Croatia side, who even coming into the tournament had some bad form. They've lost six of their last 12. And without Perisic, who tested positive for COVID, it means Croatia will sit even deeper, allowing Spain Spain have the ball, hoping that Spain's goal-scoring troubles will return and they will look to catch them on the break or through set pieces. I don't think that's going to come to fruition after scoring five in their last out and I'm confident Spain will be able to be more direct, move the ball around a lot faster and do what they did last time against Slovakia and get through and break this uh, Croatian defensive block and win this game on the money line in what I think may be a low-scoring game. So if you don't like the current price on Spain, add the under four and a half goals because this one certainly isn't getting to five. And uh, I did a show over on the Sports Gambling Podcast where I was talking about these um, last 16 games and I really liked first half unders because um, with these teams, with this stage being a lot of uh, first versus third or first versus second in some cases, you're going to see a lot of inferiority where teams realise the other team are better and they will sit inside and, and defend as deep as they possibly can. So that's why you're going to see things like Italy and Austria going to extra time. I wasn't massively high on Italy winning that game convincingly and we saw how much they struggled. They were about six inches away via VR, VR decision from losing that game by a goal to nil. So it's not exactly the foregone conclusion where you're sitting here, you're looking at your wall chart, looking at the last 16 and saying, yes, it's a completely unnecessary round, much like that group stage where 24 was whittled down to 16. That certainly isn't the case here with these quarterfinal games. These teams have got here, they're able to compete and they're very much able to defend and put men behind the ball. And we'll see Croatia doing that here for sure. I just don't think they've got that outlet now with Perisic up there to release the ball to, to, um, to, 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 to pose any kind of threat. Yes, they have a striker up there in Rebic that can hold the ball up and allow attackers to join the fray, but I don't think there's enough pace to really cause any dangers. And if Spain can just score a single goal here, I think they'll be able to win this game. That's why I like them so much here on the money line now with the absence of Perisic. So moving on to this um, French game here, uh, France against Switzerland. France are now 4-6. to six with this news coming out about a change of formation and some issues in the camp. 
It's 11 to 4 here on the draw, and it's 21 to 5 here on the Swiss. I would be concerned about this if you're a long-term French backer, because the story is that RMC Sport are reporting that Paul Pogba is the key man behind a push for France to use a back three instead against Switzerland today. It's not fully confirmed that Deschamps is going to concede to that and make that his lineup. However, what we've seen in training lately is that they are implementing this formation. And Pogba is said to be responsible for the increased focus on the formation in training that has been seen over the last couple of days and been reported by the French press. As I said, as someone that has France to win this tournament, ultimately I'm worried when Paul Pogba, of all people, who doesn't seem like the most sensible head uh, if you follow his career, uh, Paul Pogba is running the French team. Um, but I'm not worried about Switzerland tonight. They haven't looked great so far in this competition. When they stepped up to a team at France's level against Italy, they got absolutely tonked. Uh, I think additionally for this game and this game alone, moving to a 3-4-3 shape would allow for Karen Banzema's heading ability to be utilised because they've he scored two goals in the tournament, but they haven't got many crosses into him. And with those um, wide wing-backs, you will see more potential for crosses. Plus, it allows Kylian Mbappe to get more into the middle and taking up more central positions like he does with PSG, making him more dangerous. Now, for France to win this competition, Mbappe needs to get going because there are greater challenges to come. He hasn't had a great tournament so far. For some reason, he's still one of the favourites for player of the tournament, despite not scoring a goal, and that's his job. If the wingers uh, or the wing-backs are out there retrieving the ball and getting the balls in, Kylian Mbappe doesn't need to be a figure who's isolated out wide, and he can have a better game today. He's available at... Um, at six to four, or sorry, he's available at two to one to score in this game and for France to win. I think there's some good value there because I do think Kylian Mbappe will get off the mark, especially if they do go into this formation. I just worry as a France backer for the rest of the tournament that this in rest is actually true. It'll basically be conceded if we do see the change of formation, which I think we will. But I'm not worried about the Swiss and uh, this line movement doesn't concern me. If you haven't bet France already, I would take them here definitely at four to six. There's no real Real reason to shop around for anything else. They've already sort of given you a gift. Plus the four three three, uh, the four the three four three here matches up exactly to how Switzerland plays. So you're looking at a match for match, like for like, with France having the better players. So in this individual game, I'm not worried. Take the opportunity to get on that reverse movement and take France to win this game. Long term, I'm worried not only about the, the players, but I'm worried about Deschamps' strength of the manager. And that's weird to, to comment on because you're talking about a World Cup manager. But to concede to the team here and to and to go against the lineup that you don't really want to have and for, for Paul Pogba of all people to be the front runner in that and having such an influence on the squad, that is concerning here to me when you're looking at the French. But I do think they'll get past this tie. And um, I, I also do think that they'll get past the winner of Spain and Croatia. Spain obviously do look a lot better. It'd be interesting to see how Spain look today against a better team than Slovakia when they come against Croatia. And we may be looking uh, at some sort of minor hedge if you have uh, France to get through to the semi-finals. But at this point, I'm not worried at the moment. I think they'll get past today's game. And um, what will be even more important is uh, for Kylian Mbappe to actually get involved and to have a good game and to have a scoring day today and um, begin his tournament here against the Swiss. So France at 4-6, minus 150 on the money line will be my pick here for this one. Up next, it's the big one. It's England versus Germany, which through process of elimination is now the tie of the round. And uh, we need a big tie here in this round. So far, 
This tournament has been somewhat disappointing in terms of what we've seen in action. Um, the group stages were the group stages. They were simply just a, a, a phase to eliminate eight teams down to 16 so that more teams could play in this competition. That was implemented in 2016. We saw it again. Yes, it's soccer. Yes, it's an opportunity to make money. Yes, it's something to watch, but not entirely necessary. The competition really does begin with the last 16. And so far, we haven't really seen that great game. We saw a great performance with Denmark absolutely obliterating the Welsh. Um, we saw Austria give a prime example of what a team can do when they sit loads of men behind the ball and frustrate a team who don't have re any real world-class players, which Italy don't. And um, they were so close to going out there. I thought Italy were overrated. I still do and did feel confident that the winner of Belgium and Portugal would beat them. I'm not as entirely confident now because Belgium picked up injuries in that Portugal game. That game was very underwhelming. And everybody was expecting a better game. I did go on this show and on the Sports Gambling Podcast and say, don't always expect it. Sometimes good teams cancel each other out. And a big moment from Talking Hazard opened up that game, which I actually think is a very, very poor piece of goalkeeping from Rio Patricio. In the second half, Portugal dominated. I mean, apart from that moment by Hazard, a mistake by Patricio, their game plan was working very, very well to neutralise the Belgians. And I think Italy may have taken note of that. So as much as I thought Italy would get knocked out by the winner of that game... I am a little bit concerned when I see Belgium's injuries and the fact that they were so easy to play against against Portugal. They carried very little threat other than that goal and Portugal dominated that game and how they didn't score and, um, and, and land the both teams to score on that one was very, very surprising to me. But the biggest surprise has come from the exit of the Dutch what a difference 30 seconds makes because football is all about fine margins. And had Marlon gone through and scored like he should have done in what was one of the easiest chances of the tournament, the Dutch go 1-0 up. The Czechs have to come out of their shell because they too were playing a containment defensive block style. And uh, the Dutch catch them again on the break and win that game 2-0. Instead, they're losing that game 2-0 because Frank de Boer, is still undisputedly one of the worst managers in world football. The guy is an absolute clown. If your team goes down to 10 men, which by the way was a harsh decision, I think the yellow card was correct, but nevertheless, the decision was made. Once you go down to 10 men, it doesn't matter who you are. If you think you're better than the Czech Republic, which he obviously did because he's naive and complacent and not fitting to be a top quality manager or manager of a top class team, um, you don't you don't take that kind of risk. You don't take that kind of naivety. You don't have that kind of arrogance unless you're Manchester City in a game against Watford and you've got 73% of the ball. You don't do that. The Netherlands were never in that position. In fact, even in the first half, despite dominating the game, the Czechs had their chances. What you do is you automatically pull off um, a player, put in an extra defender there, and you do go to a 4-4-1 formation or something similar to make yourself difficult to be because the other team automatically gain confidence from you being down to 10 men. They then begin to dominate the ball and come forward. And with the pace that the Dutch have, the chances would have opened up through the gaps for them to counter-attack and win that game with 10 men. 
But this clueless fuck that manages them, who has one of the worst managerial records in history, who came to the Premier League and had a 100% record of losing every game as the Crystal Palace manager, he decided to do absolutely nothing but sit there with his finger up his ass. And that's why his team are out, because the Czech Republic took the game to them with the extra man. They had no tactical changes to uh, counteract the change of possession that would take place through having the lesser man. And Czech Republic scored. And then once Holland started chasing the game, they scored again. Memphis Depay, um, who's supposed to be the, the key man for the Holland that has just moved to Barcelona, was out there picking up the ball inside his own half trying to make runs. He's supposed to be up there to, to, to score the goals. Yet everybody was playing everywhere. There was no discipline. There was no organisation. Suddenly, after winning through three group games in an easy group, the Dutch looked like absolute shit. And it wasn't really necessarily down to the players on the pitch because anybody competent could have managed this situation. But the fact is, you have the worst manager in world football. This guy should be sacked immediately and nobody should ever hire this clown fuck ever, ever, ever again. Frank De Boer doesn't belong in football management. I don't care what he did in his career. It's not really relevant to the fact that he is the Dutch manager and didn't know how to manage a situation where his team went down to 10 men. Fucking clown. And now his team are out of the tournament. So that's it for for, for Holland. But um, as I said, no particularly great games so far from what we've seen. In fact, uh, other than that first game where Denmark obliterated Wales and that, or a lot of that happened late on, it was 2-0 and suddenly with the injury time, it became 4-0. That was heading towards an under. Italy was an easy under. Uh, Holland was an easy under and obviously Belgium, Portugal was an easy under. Now, I don't have issues with unders. I'm very, very high on unders. If you look at these clowns on gambling Twitter, they're all over there, overs, 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 overs. And I'm always sitting there going, well, these games are unders, especially KG Affairs with stakes on the line and every game here has a stake on the line so unders would be my automatic play but the quality of football has been poor um these players look tired the top players haven't really turned up for the tournament we're looking at poor tournaments from the likes of uh, fernandez from harry kane um from um killing mbappe i can name a whole host of uh, underperforming players from the german attack and from the english attack so not a great tournament so far in terms of quality moments. In fact, an interesting statistic here is that not a single free kick has been scored so far in this tournament, which is disappointing. So moving on to two teams I just talked about there. They have a host of players that have underperformed, but they are here. England with the lowest tally in history to win a group. Two goals Just two goals was enough for them to win their group. Two goals scored, none conceded, and that was the key. England coming here as group winners. Germany coming here as runners-up in their group. They travelled to Wembley Stadium here, and they are a slight underdog. England are the 6-4 favourites. It's 9-4 to draw, and it's 7-4 here on Zit Germans. The winner of the tie market sees England narrowly favourites here at 4-5, with Zit Germans available here at 10-11. So how is this going to play out? For me, this is entirely down to Gareth Southgate's team selection. Now, there is quality on the pitch here for Germany, but they are not utilising it correctly whatsoever. If you look at this German team, one of the key standouts here is Joshua Kimmich. Joshua Kimmich plays for Bayern Munich and he is the number one holding midfielder in the world, in my opinion. Some people would disagree and they would put N'Golo Kante. I'm fine with that debate. I'm fine with either or. But the fact is, he's either one 
or he's either number two. And if you're making a world 11, your holding midfielders in that team are Kante and Kimmich. No doubt about it. K and K getting there in the holding midfield position. So that is the only debate. But Joshua Kimmich doesn't play as a holding midfielder in the German team. In fact, they don't have one. They have decided to shoehorn Iker Gundogan into this team and neither Iker Gundogan or Tony Cruz want to defend in that midfield. You have uh, Goosens and Kimmich bombing up and down as wingbacks and up top you have three players who are massively underperforming. It doesn't matter what three you pick. If you go with Gnabry, Sane and Havertz, they're all underperforming. If you bring in Werner or Müller, they're all underperforming here for the Germans. The back three is an absolute joke and the fact that they've got Matt Hummels in there and they sit so far deep means there's a massive gap between the midfield and the defence. And the gap is even bigger considering considering you've got two central midfielders in there that don't defend anyway. So you're leaving a massive gap, even bigger than usual, to compensate for the fact that you've got weak defenders. You need a world-class holding midfielder there, especially if they're going to sit too far up. The, the alternative to that would be for them to press higher up the pitch, but Hummels doesn't have the pace to get back. And when you're coming up, up against an England team with pace, if they make the right team selection, they should absolutely destroy you. But will they? Because England's fastest players in this team are not are not Phil Foden and Jack Grealish. The fastest players in this team are Marcus Rashford and Jadon Sancho, and of course, Saka as well. But I don't think these players are going to feature in this team. I think Gareth Southgate will take a conservative approach and will especially continue on with the two holding midfielders against a team that don't have any. So if we see the likes of Henderson and Rice playing in this game, that for me is terrible team selection. I personally would go with Jude Bellingham because he also plays in the in the Bundesliga and he's a world-class midfielder or a future world-class midfielder that can get up and down. And I'd possibly playing alongside Rice but allowing Bellingham the license to get a little bit more further forward and playing Jack Grealish at the top of the diamond, at uh, the top of the midfield, sorry, it's not a diamond, as opposed to Mason Mount. But they seem to have this obsession with trying to get Mason Mount into the team. I mean, him and Chilwell were away on COVID protocols and not training, but they were trying to find ways to, to get them back as early as they possibly can, which tells me Mount should be playing. But I'm telling you Mount shouldn't be playing because he doesn't bring anything to this particular game. Jack Grealish is the guy that you want at the top of that midfield. And you need him there to be able to carry the ball and spread the passes across to your pace players, which should be either Saka or Rashford and certainly should be Jadon Sancho on the other side. Not, not just because um, he's fast, but also because he's been ripping up Bundesliga defences for years. But I don't think that's going to be the team selection. Looking at what I'm seeing from um, the press conferences, etc., I'm expecting the, the standard back four. I'm expecting Declan Rice to continue playing in this game. I think Jordan Henderson most unfortunately, is going to come in and become the holding midfielder, which would see Calvin Phillips get replaced. Or you could see Phillips and Henderson, which is even worse. And then you'll see Mason Mount at the top of the diamond. I think he's going to deploy Jack Grealish out wide, which is not a good decision because Jack Grealish doesn't have pace and can do more damage to this German uh, this German defence, especially with this big gap in midfield if he's playing at the top of the midfield. And then the other player out wide is going to continue being his favourite player, Raheem Sterling, who has scored two goals in this tournament, but has missed more chances than he scored. And his goals could have been scored by a five-year-old. But he will 100% start in his team, as will Harry Kane, who hasn't done nothing in this tournament, who... Um, 
who so far has been one of the major disappointments that I outlined. So if that's going to be the team, that is going to make it more difficult here for England. Squads are here for you to be able to rotate and to pick teams for appropriate games. And the appropriate team for this game would be to go for all-out pace to exploit this ridiculous gap that the Germans leave between their defence and the midfield with the defence sitting in deep and the midfield pushing on. There is a big gap to exploit and we saw the exact way to do this in the Champions League final where Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea won 1-0 but were continually exploiting a gap in the midfield when Pep Guardiola inexplicably decided to go with no holding midfielder. The debate was, was he going to go with uh, Rodri? Was he going to go with Fernandinho? Was he going to go with both? He went in with neither. What happened? 40-yard ball across the pitch. Nobody there. Kai Havertz cleaned through on goal. Bang, you've scored. Chelsea go on to win the Champions League and Pep Guardiola continues to be the most fraudulent overrated manager in football um, and I've spoken on this show about Frank de Boer so that was a big mistake here by Guardiola and Germany set up like that every single game that's why they concede so many goals I mean they've conceded five goals in three games in this tournament and two of them were scored by fucking Hungary so England should be licking their lips here, not only at the thought of playing a German team who play a ridiculous formation and allow you to completely exploit him with the pace that you have in your team, but for the rest of the draw, because it allows you to play the winner of Ukraine and Sweden with Holland are out on the other side. So it means potentially Denmark or the Czech Republic are coming to Wembley for a semi-final and England have to beat Germany here at Wembley against one of the weakest German teams I've seen in the competition, face a quarter-final against Ukraine and Sweden and play another game at Wembley against either Denmark or the Czech Republic. It has never been easier for England to reach a final of a major competition and anything short would be a major disappointment for England, a major failure and Gareth Southgate should be sacked and never managing football ever again. But I'm worried because it's England and because we're not going to play the right team and Germany have already shown that they can put a performance together in this tournament as they did against Portugal that was largely down to Portugal um, maintaining the same formation and not thinking ahead and changing up during the game once Germany was switching their passes and allowing the wingbacks to get involved giving them a six-pronged attack and a six and four um, combination six and four proposition is never good for anybody in football and that was the advantage that Germany would be able to create knocking it across the across across the pitch from side to side creating six and four situations and winning that game comfortably against Portugal and the six and four from, um, situations though will be neutralized here because England are going to go with the deep sitting midfielders as per usual as per Southgate's normal um, ethos so that doesn't concern me in terms of England conceding goals, but it does concern me in terms of England not having the guts and balls to go out and win this game in a dominant fashion. So England could still win. England st should still win. They'll be able to neutralise what Germany did against Portugal. We're not going to see that because we are going to see deep-sitting midfielders here that are going to stop Germany from outrunning England with the wing-backs. That will be neutralised. But what we probably won't see is England going for the right attacking formation to win this game as comfortably as they should. I am leaning towards England, but I'm not confident here. And I'm uh, also leaning towards England doing this in the most difficult way possible. And I also feel 
that if it does get past any kind of um, get past the 90 minute period and we're looking at extra time, I then begin to fancy England less and less. And once it gets out of that 30 minute period and it goes to the penalty shootout, then automatically history tells you that the Germans will go on to win that game. The statistical data strongly favours England as well. They have won eight of their last nine matches. They have conceded just a single goal across those nine games. Uh, Germany have not kept a clean sheet in their last six games and all of England's last four victories have been by a 1-0 scoreline. That is more how I feel the game will play out. I think England will make themselves difficult to break down. I don't think Germany will be able to get the uh, wing-backs up as much and outnumber England. I think there will be chances over the top, but obviously with that lack of pace, you're not looking to score goals here on the counter-attack and completely run at this defence as you should. But I do think the moment of quality could come from England where they do end up winning this game and uh, putting Germany out of the competition. That's what should happen. If you're looking at this draw, that's what should happen. England should get past this team. They should get past Ukraine or the Swedes and they should definitely get past the Czechs and Danes, one of whom they've already beaten in this competition. England should be in a final and seeing them here at 130 to do so does represent some value when you're looking at the draw. But I warn you now, and I've been watching this team since uh, 1988, do not trust England. It should happen. It probably will happen. Looking at the matches on paper, I can't find any reason why it cannot happen other than the fact that they're, named, they're managed by a man named Gareth Southgate. But be wary here if you're going to go all in on England because when nothing can go wrong and it looks like it's all too easy, that's when something goes terribly, terribly wrong and uh, nothing will be worse than a last 16 exit to the Germans when the tournament was all open up for you to not only get to the final, but to win it with England having to uh, play three of the next four games at home. Golden opportunity and it may be golden opportunity squandered here if they don't manage to get past this German team today and all of the other weak teams that lie ahead for the rest of the tournament if they do go on to win this game. Looking at that other game, the final quarterfinal, um, weird order here because you would think you'd want to put the uh, England game on at peak time, but that's happening at five and the last quarterfinal is somewhat, uh, the last 16 games, sorry, is somewhat underwhelming when you have Sweden versus the Ukraine. Sweden are the 6-4 to four favourites to win it. It's 29-10 to 10 to draw and it's 11-5 to five here on the Ukraine. I see a definite pattern of play here where these two teams will be looking ahead at this draw as well themselves. Everybody will. And uh, they'll be wanting to get to the quarterfinals and beyond. Therefore, this is a, a must-not-lose situation. And I think the game, the game will play out as such, leading to another relatively boring last 16 affair. I think this one is definitely going to go under, under two and a half goals, which is available here for you at three to five. But I do think Sweden are the more likely to go through. This is a team who won their group and have won eight of their last 10 internationals. They also have Forsberg of Leipzig, who is in great form. He has scored four goals in his last four internationals from out wide. Sweden have scored the first goal in nine of their last 10 fixtures. And if they get that goal, that defensive conservative formations that, uh, or tactics that you're seeing where two teams don't want to get beat, you will see a yellow wall surrounding the edge of this box, making it virtually impossible for Ukraine to score, which is why I like the under so much, because if, if Sweden don't score the first goal or the first goal doesn't get scored for some time, your under is in good shape. And if Sweden score it, even if they score it in the first five minutes, it's still in good shape because the yellow wall will be implemented. Look, 
looking for the second on the counter-attack. Four of Sweden's last six matches have featured less than three goals, adding more weight here to the play. So this is going to be a quarterfinal, a loss. I keep saying quarterfinal. I'm just dying for the quarterfinals to start. This is going to be a last 16 game that you don't necessarily have to watch. But it will be something where you can cash because I do think that we will be seeing under two and a half goals in this one with Sweden narrowly getting through to that quarterfinal. So as far as I can see it, the quarterfinals will look like this. The Czech Republic are going to be taking on Denmark. That is a fact. The winner of whom will go on to play either England, Germany, Sweden or Ukraine. I have England versus Sweden in that quarterfinal. I have England coming out of that quarterfinal and getting to a semi-final against Denmark and England, getting through to the Euro 2020 final. But tread very, very carefully with that. And also, don't write off these other teams because if Germany do manage to get past England, I think for my for, for my money, they are a weaker team coming out of that tie. If they do manage to get past England, they will have a more difficult game against Sweden because there's more opportunities to counter on them. So if Germany come out of that tie, I'm not as 100% confident, although I am confident that they'll get through. I'm not as confident that they'll get through and find ways to, to navigate to navigate themselves to victories against the Swedes and then against the Danes or the Czech Republic because this is a vulnerable team and uh, just watch the Hungary game to see those vulnerabilities exploited. But I am going for England versus Sweden. I'm going for England to beat Sweden and on the other side for Czech Republic and Denmark. I think the Denmark story continues there. They look like a very, very impressive outfit indeed the way that they dispatched of the Welsh but the Czech Republic game is going to be more difficult. More of that when we get to the quarterfinal preview. On the other side, of course, I like France to get past the Swiss. I like Spain to get past Croatia. Then I think that game between France and uh, and Spain in the quarterfinals is going to be a little bit more difficult to call, especially with that infighting that all uh, the all the disputes that are going on within the French team with Paul Pogba having an influence over who goes out, who goes out and plays, and what formation they play. I don't think that's right. And uh, this Spain this Spain team will be far more positioned to exploit that as opposed to a Switzerland team that looked poor and they only step up in competition when they play the Italians. So France versus Spain will be a quarterfinal for me and uh, we'll see where we sit with that once we get to the game. I would obviously lean France, but um, it all depends on how the Spanish look in a step-up in competition today from Slovakia when they face the Croats. If they can put another three or four past, um, past the Croats and do what they did to Slovakia, suddenly Spain starts to look very, very impressive here in this tournament. And the other quarterfinal, which is looking like it's going to be the, the highlight quarterfinal of of that round, Belgium versus Italy, a game that I picked out very, very early in the tournament. If you listen to my futures, futures previews, where I had both these teams winning the group, I did not know at that time that Belgium would be the unfortunate team that got Portugal as the third place team from Group F, but they did and they overcame that hurdle. But how much they have left with the with the injuries that they had, you have to be hoping that Hazard's going to be okay. Even though he's not the same player that he was, he still influences the team. Just having his face there in the lineup um, breeds confidence, not only in his supporters, but the players on the pitch. So you want Hazard back, and you definitely want Kevin De Bruyne back. He's one of the best creative midfielders in the world, if not the best. You certainly want to see him there. And uh, obviously, Lukaku is key. What's very interesting is Lukaku obviously plays his football in Serie A, and he now has the opportunity to knock out the Italians. 
and uh, the Italians obviously here will be vulnerable off the back of that performance against Austria. Suddenly the clean sheet record is gone. Suddenly the 90 minute win streak has gone. They look vulnerable. They were six inches away from losing that game and you would think if they play that way again, Belgium will knock them out. But we will get there when we get there. Your quarterfinal preview will be out in a few days. But until then, that has been all of your last 16 games done. Good luck with all of your bets as always. And thanks for listening.